0: Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, Leadership Matters.
1: Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in to Leadership Matters, informing leaders and inspiring solutions. I'm Gerald McFadden, President of Volunteers of America Southwest, and I bring you greetings from San Diego, California. I'll be your host for the next hour, and I'm delighted to have joining me today Mr. Mark Nielsen, President and Founder of Accretive CFO Services of San Diego, and Mr. Bob Beattie, President, Beattie and Company. Welcome, Mr. Nielsen and Mr. Beattie.
2: Thanks, Gerald. Hi, Gerald.
1: Thanks thanks for having me. Uh, Before we get started with the topic for today's show, which is a balanced approach to building a wildly successful business through transformational leadership, Mr. Nielsen and Mr. Beattie, would you you please tell our listening audience a little bit about yourself and the organizations that you represent, Creative CFO Services of San Diego and Beattie & Company. Mark, would you start off, please?
2: Sure. Thanks, Gerald. Thanks for having me on your show. Um, I uh, tell people I'm a recovering CFO. Um, I came up the traditional finance role as a CFO for 25 years, and then about five years ago started a, uh, an unusual business model called a creative, um that uh, goes into organizations, and we creatively find unique uh, found money, cost savings, and other types of uh, uh, capital that they may have overlooked in the business. And only we participate in those savings, so we don't charge for our time. Uh, also, I sit on the board of uh, three nonprofits um, and also four for profit companies one public and three private, all of which are decent size. And uh, yeah, so that's me in a, in a quick nutshell. Okay, well, thanks,
1: Mark. Uh, Bob, uh, will you share a little bit about yourself?
2: Uh, sure, Gerald. And again, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, I I work as uh, interim and part-time and advisory CFO exclusively with nonprofit organizations. Um, The idea being that very few nonprofits can afford a full-time true CFO, but they all need a certain amount. And how do we get that in when they need it and the amount they need it at the time that they're dealing with a particular situation? And then... Allow me to, you know, accordion my services in and out. I work with a, uh, a large number of nonprofits, particularly now and exclusively in San Diego. I used to be in LA, Orange County, and San Diego.
1: Okay, and I understand one of those organizations you're working with at the present time is uh, United Ways of, of uh, San Diego and Imperial. Yep. Okay. Uh, I invite each of you in our listening audience to participate in our upcoming conversation by either emailing questions to us at drwhite at revisions.org or calling one eight six six four seven two five seven nine zero. Guys, uh, transformational leadership has been defined as a change-oriented leadership style that is centered on partnership vision building that empowers others and which results in inspired goal setting, expectation ownership, and higher than normal performance levels. Each of you in your professional life as a consultant and principal associated with for-profit and not-for-profit businesses has engaged with leaders that have taken businesses through transformations, would you both talk a little bit about what does a transformational leader look like to you? Uh, Bob, can we start with you?
2: Sure, that'd be great. Uh, I, I think for me, it, at least in my space, the, um, uh, there's a huge need to transform from cost reimbursement models to outcome-focused or pay-for-success models. Um, and you know, not only do you have to change people, processes, and uh, systems, but you also have to focus on on the culture. And so, these the leaders that are successful to me, I'd say, are the ones that are just totally focused on the the customer. What do we need to do to keep them and keep them happy and keep them coming back? Uh, funding these type of approaches. Um, you know, what are the obstacles to change from where we are to where we need to be in this this new model? Um, uh, you know, open and honest communications with everybody, all the stakeholders. Act quickly, take large risks, and be a, a champion. And the, the fuzziest thing for me is kind of that X factor of a leader who can talk about all this stuff and engage people to actually be part of the solution and not be resistant to it.
1: Oh, interesting. Mark, what about you? What, what does a transformational leader look like to you?
2: Well, you know, I'm going to take what Bob said, which I agree with 100%, whether it's in a you know for-profit or, or a, a non-profit setting, and build on that, with a couple more things. For, um, for me, what I've observed uh, in myself, but also in other leaders that I've worked with over the years, have been their agility, the ability to kind of step up to the press box, if you will, look at the companies, where it really is, um, and be honest with themselves about that and not wishful thinking, but where they are in the market, but also where they are in the evolution of that business. You know, early stage businesses have a lot of things they want to do, whether they're again for profit or non, um, but sometimes guilty of wishful thinking. So I think a transformational leader that can be honest with themselves and their teammates, as Bob talked about, with where they really are and what lies ahead, um, and being willing to change directions too often you know organizations will go over a cliff because they were just so Mm -hmm. singly mindedly focused which is in essence a good thing but so focused that they wouldn't listen to outside input and listen to the vibrations that told them to turn right turn left along the way so agility for me is a big one Um, Mm -hmm. I think another word that I would put out there for a transformational Uh, leader is curiosity maintaining your curiosity
1: The curiosity, agility, and uh, laser focus, uh, and the ability to engage people so that they feel that they are a part of the transformation that's occurring. Fantastic. You know, what impact um, does the transformational leader's style have on the actual performance results of of a business?
2: Well, I'll tackle that one first, uh, Gerald. Bob's okay with it. Um, for me it it makes all the difference. I think we see this in sports. you know we see the difference between not just the star players but the coaches you know and and so often great coaches can bring the best out of their people, and they're great at picking the people who aren't necessarily the superstars but the ones who quote unquote get it the light on, and they can you know build around those you know people so I think it has. Just as we see in sports, I think in, in in organizations of all types, you know, I think that the coaching, their style, their tone at the top, if you will, is is critical. I mean it's we I think we all know that, but I think we see it more obviously in sports. We just had a couple of championships this week and you you can focus on those coaches and you can see the difference in the teams. Yep. I've got that. Bob, what yep. about you? Yeah, how I think, do you see uh... I think I I would just add, though, there's a, you know, we have to talk about the short run because sometimes in all this change, there's actually, there's a potential for a decline in actual measurable standard performance results that everybody's looking for. Um, So there's probably a need, and I think those great leaders actually uh, are both communicating that that's going to happen, but also they identify some of uh, that low-hanging fruit so that they do are able to so show some quick wins along the way um, to keep everybody excited as well as the other stakeholders um, engaged in the process and recognize it's, it might be more of a marathon at times than, than, a, than, a, than a dash. Yeah, if I can build on that, too. That's a great point, Bob. You know, there's something called the J-curve of change management, which is when there's transformation coming, whether it's inside or outside or both of an organization, knowing there's going to be a a step backwards, half-step before the two steps forwards, is being able to be willing to guide everybody through that half-step backwards, you know, and continue to paint that uh, forward-looking vision. So, you know, a leader's style of being able to communicate. I don't think we can emphasize that word enough. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Uh, really indicating that style really is important on on the the issue of uh, engaging people. If we were to talk about the impact of the leader style on, on really the human capital of the organization, how people really inside the organization are impacted by a style. Uh, what, what, what are some of your thoughts about that? Having seen individuals that possess basic characteristics of a transformational leader, what is their impact on the human capital of the organization? Or would you like to speak on that, Mark?
2: Yeah, sure. I will. In fact, I'm going to. I won't name the the organization, but one of the public company boards that I'm on, uh, we just uh, recently, about a year or so, underwent a, a change in leadership, and. uh, it was amazing how um, the entire organization, it doesn't happen in a you know week or a month, but over a period of a couple, three or four quarters, where you can see and feel the momentum of that leader's style. And um, you know, at the end of the day, a company is not made up, or an organization of any kind, for-profit or not, is not made up of the buildings or the programs or the inventory or the, even the products. It's always about people, and that often gets lost in... You know the reports and the compliance and the board meetings and all that stuff. So, um, you know, I, I've seen it firsthand, and it's it's pretty dramatic.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For me, well, the what about what about is, you in terms yeah. of how you see uh, the impact on human capital
2: of a style? It, it actually, it, for me, it it does a really cool thing, but it's also a risk thing, which is. As you increase you know the human capital of the organization, because you've now created people who are able to be part of this and they understand it and they get it, they actually become far more employable outside the company. And so the ch- the risk or the business management you have to incorporate into that. How do we continue to retain? These people that are, we've added this human cap, we've improved their human capital individually so that they stay here. And that's, that's actually a fund management challenge, but it is a, a management challenge you've got to be aware of, how to manage them moving forward. Mm-hmm. I, I hear
1: uh, us really putting that g- emphasis really a great deal on really the ability to, to engage people in the body of work of the, the business and giving them ownership and allowing them to be a part of the change and to facilitate the change uh and, and that right that that sounds like uh, someone that is um, uh, a, a really exceptional leader and the kind of leader that we want to all be around uh do you consider yourself uh a transformational leader uh Bob, I'll start with you on that uh, <laughs> so
2: Why? I, I wish I were. I'd, lo- I'd love to be able to say yes, but I think that uh, what I do in my role and, and based on my style is I tend to be a great support person for that transformational leader for, in a number of dimensions. I do not have that, in, that X factor, that, that ability to, to not have people be afraid of the change. Um, I'm, I'm all for it and I love it, but I, I don't seem to have that, that it or that extra thing that is somewhat rare.
1: That, that that it factor, huh?
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Mark, what about you? Uh, Do you consider yourself well, a transformational uh, leader, and, and if so, why?
2: Yeah, I think why I gone through transformation myself uh, from being a former uh, CFO, recovering. I like to say, you know, where you had to learn the defensive side of the the house to being is um, having your own business and recognizing the offensive side of of the ball, but. Um, I, th- I guess sitting on boards, whether they were for profit or non, I think if you if you're uh, not willing to ask hard questions and question people's answers rather than answer their questions, um, so I think I made the transformation myself to be willing. I think
1: to we're going to need to, to, to head to a break, and Mark, you are on a really, really important point, and I'd like for you to hold that, if you will, for okay. just a second. Uh, we're okay. going to go to a short break. When we return, Mr. Mark Nielsen, the president and founder of a Creative CFO Services of San Diego, and Mr. Bob Beatty, President of Beatty and Associates, will be talking with us a little bit more about transformational leadership, but be transitioning into a subject which is extremely important, building a wildly successful business. Please stay tuned, and we'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders and Inspiring Solutions.
0: comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at Innovisions.org. Innovisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. What if every day was a good day for business? Because every
2: decision you made was the best choice. What if you could receive regular input from credible sources and could acquire all the precise information you need exactly when you need it so you can make the right decision every single time? Because There's More challenges you to make better decisions. Join Laura Ellis every Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific, and 2 p.m. GMT on the Voice America Business Channel and learn how to think differently for better decisions, better business.
0: With more
1: on Leadership Matters, I'm Gerald McFadden, your host, and I bring you greetings from Volunteers of America Southwest in San Diego, California. With us today are our special guests, Mr. Mark Nielsen, uh, the president and founder of Accretive CFO Services of San Diego, and Mr. Bob Beatty, president of Beatty & Associates. Uh, prior to the break, we were talking a little bit about uh, the, issue, the topic of transformational leaders and, and whether or not you saw yourself as a transformational leader. And, and Mark, you talked about one of the things that is important in transformation process uh, and looking at the characteristics of a, of a leader is the ability to make hard decisions and the impact of that. You want to build on that point a little bit further?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, you know, the word transformational, transformational leader, that phrase is a very positive term. It sounds great and all, but we all know what that means. There's, there's pain underlying that, and it may mean, you know, changing directions for an organization. Some people need to get off the bus, new people getting on the bus. Um, you, you don't end up in an organization 10, 15, 20 years down the road with the same people that started driving the bus or were the passengers on it. So for me... Um, getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. So I'm going to say that again, getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. I don't mean ridiculously so, but being willing to ask tough questions of oneself, of the organization, of its employees. Um, Because you can't transform anything without breaking a few eggs, you know? So Mm -hmm. there's pain involved, and not everybody likes pain. They just want to avoid it, and that's why so many organizations are willing to just coast along until they go over a cliff. So so that, that
1: ability to not make the decisions at the right times or key times in an organization's life cycle really has the potential of cumulatively moving them further and further out of sync uh, with really some of the productivity and financial maybe metrics that are set for the company. Very, very good point, that ability to make tough decisions early on. Most executives of successful businesses understand that revenue growth and expense management are essential parts of the equation for building a successful business. But it seems that those special executives that understand and embrace and prioritize the importance of an organization's culture uh, and appropriate infrastructure and the right DNA within a leadership team are those individuals that are not just building successful organizations today, but are those individuals that are building wildly successful enterprises. Uh, What would you say a wildly successful business might look like? Uh, And, and Mark, uh, would you – excuse me, I'm sorry, I started that. Bob, would you start off on that point, and then
2: I'll transition to you, Mark, if that's okay. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, You know, I think a couple – stick in my mind that, you know, and none are going to be wildly successful forever, but, you know, if you think of Apple with the introduction of the iPad and the uh, iPhone, that whole period they went through uh, before Steve Jobs passed away, Doctors Without Borders, you know, these are organizations that have created raving customers, at least for this certain period of time. They're, all their numbers have gone up, their their perception in the communities are, are great, and these are it's, they're hitting on all eight cylinders, or in some of their cases, the twelve-cylinder car. You know, I mean, they're 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 nailing it on every front, at least for some re- reasonably extended period of time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, what are, what are your thoughts on that? Well, Why those are, are great
2: examples. Business? What does
1: it look
2: like? Yeah, those are great examples, Bob. So I'll be a little bit more general. Um, <clears throat> to me, I think it's the ability to continuously redefine success you know, we're seeing more and more organizations recognizing that you can't just ping-pong back and forth between, you know, gee, we're making a lot of money, we're financially successful, our stock price or our, you know, our uh, revenues, whether they're for-profit or not, will continue to rise, and all those metrics are all great things, and we, that those are a given and a must. And then, but what about people? How are, you know, is it a great place to work? Are we, you know, Bringing in great people, or people moving on to bigger and better things from there as well. Um, what are we doing about our, you know, community? What are we doing about our planet? You know, there's a lot more, and I think these. Uh, so the ability to continuously redefine success, because it's not just your, you know, our grandfather's definition of wildly successful. And we all know a lot of wildly successful people on paper that. You know, behind the scenes, we know that it's, there's there's another side. So, I hear me, you saying, Mark, not only looking opinion. at the, the
1: internal um, metrics in terms of, of business success, but also having impact in terms of environment and social issues that a uh, business operates within. Is that, that what I hear you saying a bit of?
2: Yeah, it's not always about getting to the next billion-dollar level. I mean, there's a lot of wildly successful businesses that probably never got to five million, and the same with nonprofits that are doing great things in their communities because they defined it and worked backwards. You know, Jim Collins talks about the end and working with the end in mind, and then too many people are just on the conveyor belt towards some predetermined definition of success that was handed to them, versus okay. a you know more strategically well thought out definition of success.
1: What do you think keeps so many organizations from becoming wildly successful? Mark, you want to cue in on that?
2: Yeah, I'm going to pick up on something I said earlier. Um, It's going to be about agility. I think that, you know, again, I'm going to use a sports analogy. I like sports, so I use that all the time. And there's, you know, we can see it pretty plainly because whether we're in the social sector or public companies or even in government, you know, moving people forward in some form of organization. you know, we've got to keep agile. The playing field changes, the game changes. I mean, that's why, again, the sports analogy, that's why they go and have timeouts. That's why they go in at halftime to to regroup, and they don't just come out and do the same thing. So agility, agility to me is why so many organizations don't go there is because they just focus on one thing, they keep driving, and they ignore the signs around them, and they're afraid, afraid to make changes, afraid to be courageous, and uh, you know they're afraid of making other people uncomfortable, including themselves. <laughs> oh,
1: wow, interesting, yep. interesting. Bob, what, what what are some of your thoughts in that area?
2: Yeah, I think for me, it's usually there's that lack of the leadership, but kind of right on what Mark was just saying. It's it there's a there's a natural sense that both people and organizations of people which is a fear of failure which i always redefine i flip it exactly on its head and i say you know fear of failure is a fear of success and so it, it says they get too focused on the, they don't want to win they don't want to achieve that thing that outside uh end goal that mark was referring to but it's really they're so afraid that they're going to lose whatever's going on now that they never focus on actually achieving this underlying thing that they're looking for and so it's mm-hmm. again, that a comfort through. zone to use, yeah. um, pick up on that, Bob. But comfort zone is a very dangerous place. So, yep, yep.
1: Mm-hmm. You, you you used a, a, a phrase, and I want to kind of just tie back into it, and you talked about the fear of success. We often hear the fear of failure, but the concept of fear of success, uh, would, uh, Bob, would you expound on that a little bit more? And, and Mark, if you could also weigh in on that. That's a very interesting concept.
2: Yeah, I think, you you know, if you're not stretching out there and you're not saying, this is what I want to achieve, and you're planting a a stake in the ground somewhere out there and you're looking forward, then you spend all your time just trying to protect where you're at. And, um, you know, if you're... if all you're doing is is that you're never going to succeed in any real and certainly not in any wildly successful manner you've got to go out there and say we're going to be the best we're going to be the most effective we're going to produce more of these outcomes in my world than anybody else can produce the same input and if you're not willing to say that then all you're going to do is just be like the rest of the pack and just get along another year another you know spend out another grant yeah. I've got you. I've got you. Uh, Mark, do you have anything to add? You know what, Gerald? I that? think for me, um, uh, one of the things that can help someone break out of that is having not necessarily just a board of directors for governance and compliance; those things are important, and of course, but it's also a board of advisors. Whether that's a person or somebody willing to stand up to that, you know, the CEO and say, you know, I don't agree with you. Maybe you haven't thought about this, and so it's the, you know. Again, to pull someone away from that comfort zone. Sometimes a leader cannot pull themselves out of that comfort zone. They have to be surrounded by people that they're confident enough that they're willing to have people say, you know, have you ever thought about this? And and you uh-huh. know,
1: a real excellent point. Excellent point. In an Brother, earlier conversation a reference was made regarding the importance of having the right leadership DNA for a wildly successful business, what is the right DNA? And I know we've talked about uh, a couple of things for a leader today in a, a mid to, to large size business um, in, in regards to it. I know we've talked about agility. We've talked about ability to stretch um, um, the fear. Is there anything else that you would see that, that really uh, is essential in that DNA
2: well, I'll jump in here first on this one, if you're okay. Um, so, you know, DNA is not culture. Culture is something that you can decide you want, and then you go create it, sustain it, and so forth. But DNA is the natural wiring of the, the leader and the team they've chosen around them. And so, for me, DNA and, and the and the proper balance of it is about, we, we all have skills, you know, whether they're left-brain, if you will, organizational, financial, engineering, those things, or whether they're right brain creative, adventurous, thrill-seeking, those kind of things. So um, the right leader has to be able to get the left-brainers and the right-brainers, let's just call them the offense and the defense, to be able to pull together so that the organization is is going faster because the offense complements the defense and vice versa, and they know they need each other. There's not a tension between the two. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Or, or you explore that natural tension. I'd say the one isolating thing that all the transformational leaders I've worked with have is a really high EQ. Forget IQ, you know, that's what it's yeah. going to be. But it's people who, can, who understand how to make all that happen and that's that glue and, and transform, truly transformational leaders all do a one. Have very high on that scale.
1: We're going to need to take a, a short break right at this particular point. We'll be revisiting this topic in a, a little bit more detail. When we return with Mr. Mark Nielsen and Mr. Bob Beatty, uh, we'll be talking further about building a wildly successful business. Please stay tuned, and we'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, and Inspiring Solutions.
0: America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264 or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at innovisions.org is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness.
2: Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books... We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
0: You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Shube, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. Or send an email to Leadership Matters at Innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters.
1: Leadership Matters. I'm Gerald McFadden, your host, and I bring you greetings from Volunteers of America Southwest in San Diego. For those of you who may be just joining us, our special guests today are Mr. Mark Nielsen, the president and founder of Accretive CFO Services of San Diego, and Mr. Bob Beatty, president of Beatty and Company. Prior to the break, we were talking about building a wildly successful business, and one of the points that we were uh, discussing was around the DNA of uh, transformational leaders. I wanted to have you guys visit a little bit on the topic of whether or not there is a, a DNA, for example, for an extraordinary organization Patrick Lencioni, in his book, The Four Obsessions of an Extraordinary Executive, talks about a healthy organization being one that is humble, hungry, smart, and resilient. Um, What are your thoughts about this being the the right DNA for a healthy organization? Uh, There are other characteristics that you see as well besides these three, but what do you think about those four that he referenced?
2: Um, Bob, you want to tackle first? Sure, sure, I'll step in. You know, I think these are great. I think Mark's uh, earlier uh, reference to agility, I think those are good ones. Uh, What I always, you know, there's this huge it factor and we always want to capture and we say, here are the things, the three or four or five, and we can define them and hold them and if you've got that, you're going to be there. Uh, Everybody remembers in search of excellence and you know, and then a couple of years later, it turns out, ah, oh, that you know that that didn't necessarily hold true. But there's some concepts there that we we all know and we kind of know it when we see it, but it's really hard to define. I don't think there's anything um, incorrect or bad about any of those four, but I think there might be some other ones that would be equally compelling, like Mark's uh, agility.
1: Okay. Mark, do you have any anything else that you like to add to that? So These four basic, we'll say, DNA characteristics.
2: No, and you know, again, I keep you probably get tired of it, but I bring it up anyways, is sports because those four words. Uh, for if you substitute the word extraordinary executive for extraordinary coach, whether the head coach or assistant coach or whatever, you know, is being those four things. But I would my other word besides agility that I would throw out is curiosity. I think once an organization, you know, obviously embodied at first by the leader, but then you know throughout that team, once they lose their curiosity, they're in trouble because mm-hmm. in curiosity, mm-hmm. you know, you stop asking why or what if or hey, what if we did this or I wonder, you know, whether it's about an outside influence or something you're thinking of doing. So. The death of curiosity is usually the death of an organization. And you don't see it happen. <laughs> it just going on underneath the current, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think death it's important for every leader is to be smart. Interesting. Keep sparking
1: You know, in today's
2: economic
1: climate, in this new world of growth of business, uh, it appears to more and more be incorporating a combination of strategies that focus on uh, both organic growth, uh, acquisitions or mergers, and efficiency management. Um, in in your sure. mind's eye, you know, what does the phrase balanced approach to growth mean in today's challenging business climate? And, Bob, I'll ask you to,
2: to, to weigh in on that first. Sure. And I think, you know, we don't want to lose sight. Uh, you know, balance has been with us forever. You know, all things in moderation, all these phrases. But if we look even at, at the investment uh, portfolio world and, uh, you know, how do we, we've been applying that whole idea to investments now for quite a while since Modiglia and Miller were so successful at it. But, you know, there's a way when you when you use balance to diversify certain kinds of risk while retaining the upside. And, uh, you know, if, if you look at today's world, we always say it, but it's incredibly volatile, it's competitive as can be. You You basically, you could focus on one narrow, one of these strategies, but it's only going to be a very short-term benefit for you. It's really, if you have this balanced approach with all of these, you're probably going to outperform virtually everybody else who's unbalanced.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when you say balance, you, in that regard, you, you're talking about creating a, a, a diversified portfolio or diversified lines of business that can withstand the ebbs and flows of a, a, a dynamic uh, economy or environment—that that, that would the essence
2: of yeah. it, there, Bob. Yeah, and even even within the narrow idea of just how are we gonna how are we gonna grow? Are we gonna grow organically? Are we gonna th- grow through acquisitions? Basically, the answer is yes. You have got to do both. You can't just have one approach and say that's the only way because a lot of things can get in, in, in the um, in the way there. And so, yeah, by having diversified approaches in everything you do, without exclusive focus on one. Um, you know, you you might give up some immediate top line, but long-term you're going to be able to apply these healthy organization ideas through time and not just have a flash in a pan.
1: Fantastic. Mark, uh,
2: your thoughts on that that issue of a balance? Well, I keep short and sweet for me is gas and brakes. You can't drive <laughs> your car without the gas pedal and the brake pedal. Okay, because if you go too fast, you're going to run into a wall. And to go too slow, the world's going to pass you by. And so every organization throughout its evolution, from the very first time it starts until it reaches whatever, nirvana, um, is always going through a gas and breaks. Now, Gerald, I'm going to turn this back on you because I understand your organization has just had a considerable growth spurt, and you're going to have to digest that. So at at some point, you're going to need some breaks on some part of your organization, aren't you? You know, that's a very
1: interesting point, Mark. Thank you. Uh, You you are absolutely correct. We have had a growth surge, and I think it is exactly what you're saying. It is really stepping back and putting on the brakes a bit and thinking, being deliberate and thoughtful about those things that really uh, are happening to you and how you appropriately respond in terms of both talent systems, processes, and what impact this growth has on your culture and how do you continue to grow your culture when you bring in, you know, new people, particularly a lot of new people from the outside. So, yes, I do think it is a combination. Before you can go fast forward, sometimes you need to really be clear on the things that you need to realign in order to be able to optimize that fast forward by stepping on the gas. Absolutely. and
2: yeah, you don't have to hammer on the brakes, but we all need to tap on the brakes now and then just to kind of get our arms around what's in the front windshield.
1: So. And, you know, I think that the, the, the big issue is, is that a lot of times with, when there is a surge in growth, for example, one of the things we do is we, we celebrate the, the, the growth experience and then we keep going. And we don't realize the intentionality that's needed to think about the impact of that growth. And I think that sometimes is exactly what you're talking about, tapping on the brakes and slowing down so that you can take yourself out of the fray and thoughtfully and planfully and deliberately build your, your adjusted course for going further forward. Um, One of the things, I I appreciate that, Mark, and I hope that was helpful in terms of my response uh, both to... Yeah, thanks. Question in the listening audience as well. One of the things that I've noticed a lot and I want to ask you guys about is that we see in the for profit sector, we see all the time mergers and acquisitions occurring. There seems to be less um, of a uh, likelihood to see non, in the nonprofit sector a lot of mergers occurring. What are your thoughts about? mergers occurring within the nonprofit sector. What have you seen, and, and what do you think are some of the, the lessons or thoughts that need to be in place for nonprofits as they look at growing through uh, mergers, uh, not necessarily as much acquisitions, but even possibly acquisitions?
2: Well, so uh, I'm like to here,
1: that 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 issue. What have you seen in terms of nonprofits and this
2: issue of being willing to merge uh, in order to grow? I I think that uh, I haven't seen enough of it. Um, I think there's uh, there's a couple of reasons for that. Um, some has to do with the capital structure of a of a nonprofit who owns it, what, where the incentives are. Uh, there's more downside risk than there is upside benefit, it, you know, on behalf of boards. But the um, uh, I think the real issue is that sometimes, um, uh, you know, our, our, our culture is the immune system of the organization, and it can both fend off anything new coming in and any new ideas, as well as um, uh, you know protect when those bad things happen as they come in and they don't work quite right. And so, I think there's a lot of inertia in nonprofits that are afraid of of these things for the, because there's a lack of experience. But the, mm-hmm. the, the, the real issue is I think that if we can, as, as nonprofits can move to true outcomes-focused models instead of process-focused models, um, they'll, they'll look at acquisition discussions and merger discussions in terms of how will this benefit us achieving these outcomes as opposed to how will this affect my job.
1: Ah, interesting, interesting. Mark, your thoughts on that? You've served on some nonprofit boards and you've served on for-profit boards, so uh, you've seen the behavior of both entities as it relates to this issue of merger. What are your thoughts? Particularly, I don't see
2: it being much different. I I think there's two very simple economic sectors at work called supply and demand, and those are never going to change. Whether we're talking about the for-profit or the nonprofit sectors, Um, at the end of the day they're just different types of ingredients but there's supply ingredients in the nonprofit world it's the supply of you know people willing to provide the services and uh, governments and other donors willing to provide the the gas to fuel that the the donors and the funding and ultimately at the end of the day the money is going to find the most efficient organization if if some organizations aren't operating efficiently they can't get the capital from their donor base or they can't win the bids to manage the programs or they can't you know sell their products in the for-profit sector then that's telling them they got to do something different they either got to you know join forces with another organization who's got you know the things that they don't have so it's really the market is telling organizations what they got to do and some people Want to you. close your ears and you know, and not pay attention to that, and that's where trouble starts.
1: Thank you, Mark. We're going to need to take a, a, a brief break, so we're going to take this short break. When we return, Mr. Mark Nielsen, uh, President and Founder of Creative. CFO Services of San Diego, Mr. Bob Biddy, a president of Biddy and Company, will be talking a little bit more about this issue of a balanced approach to growth, and we'll uh, see if there's some additional things and thoughts that we have on this merger issue with nonprofits. So please stay tuned, and we'll be right back with more Leadership Matters, informing leaders and inspiring solutions.
0: Business Community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at Innovisions.org. Innovisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Conversations concerning money can be a bit
2: daunting. There can be limitations with building wealth. And in general, people don't want to discuss their money until now. Listen each week for Conversations with Money, featuring Franco Caliguri and Marissa Sipolinsky. Our guests make
0: money the conversation piece. How to build and maintain wealth, working with charities and money and family members. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel.
1: I'm Gerald McFadden, and we're back with Leadership Matters. I'm your host, and I bring greetings to you from Volunteers of America Southwest in San Diego. For those of you who may be just joining us, I have two very special guests with me today, Mr. Mark Nielsen, President and Founder of uh, Creative uh, Financial CFO Services of San Diego, and Mr. Bob Beatty, President of Beatty and Company. As we were um, concluding our discussion around mergers uh, and experiences with nonprofits, I think we had a, a very robust discussion in regards to issues uh, leveraging outcomes and the market finding the high-performing organizations. Um, I want to talk a little bit about an article which I had a, an opportunity to review a few years ago, and that I think really ties into this and Harvard Business Review, titled "You Know High Performance Organizations." Uh, a reference was made to um, to the fact that strategy to performance seems to have a significant gap. The article suggested that most business strategies only deliver sixty-three percent of their potential productivity and financial results. Uh, in your opinion, what are the most effective and successful executives doing in order to sustain consistent high performance or high levels of achievements within their business. Um, Mark, you want to take that? And then I'll ask Bob to, to weigh in on that.
2: Yeah. And now at the risk of being overly redundant, but the, the, two of my favorite words, agility, <laughs> and curiosity, because agility <laughs> is, I mean, if you're leading an organization for profit or non you're essentially the driver of a race car and your most important skill is not your speed uh, it's one of them but the ability to navigate and to go through whatever is coming at you in front of you or behind you or off to the side of you so the agility um, to me is, is just drop dead critical it's um, you, you know you, things are going to change we all know that um, business you know and the nonprofit profit sector everything changes and changes picking up speed so You know, you can't avoid that, so you better get really, really good at it. So I think the best organizations that I've been a part of, for profit or none, and the the ones we see in the market are the ones who embrace that and just recognize it's not about speed. It's about speed and agility. And the other word, curiosity, which I keep harping on, is you've got to be able to ask what if. Now, that doesn't mean chasing shiny things or butterflies or whatever, but it means the, the balanced approach to always questioning, huh, I wonder if there's another way, you know, and what if. And great leaders we've seen like Steve Jobs and so forth are always asking, what if, you know. know,
1: One of the things, uh, taking that uh, just a little bit further, and, and Bob, I'm going to ask you to build on this, you know, a a lot of times we have – um, uh, a good curiosity in an organization and we've got good people in an organization but they still seem to be coming up short in terms of matching what they set as their strategy and the actual outcome of the work that's being done and so I, I guess I'm asking Bob if in your thoughts, are there causal factors associated with it or are there things that you see that uh, executives um, that are really being successful are doing to keep the performance level of the organization up, even when they're making the adjustments and they're being agile, but performance seems to be slipping. Are there things that executives can do to keep that performance level up?
2: Yeah, I think for me, uh, you know, one of my favorite Drucker, Peter Drucker, quips is that uh, you know culture eats strategy for breakfast, and it's the it's just kind of that you got to keep your eye on that. And I think that these great transformational leaders I've worked with, you know, are able to get that get to and continue and maintain that full use of that potential productivity. Um, by really managing the culture of the organization first. they They're constantly testing it, touching base with it, nurturing it, moving it along, and, and doing that culture thing first, first and foremost in their mind, and then design and implement the strategy. You know, it's not, if you focus it all, and I think a lot of mergers and uh, those kind of things have failed because we ignore the culture, and, uh, you know, we just got to keep focused on that. And so I think that's you know i'm no social scientist but in my experience it's that lack of of appreciation and respect for the culture of the organization and managing it
1: there seems to be more discussion today about having metrics and really being really clear on performance metrics. Uh, are, are, are you seeing organizations really embrace that a, a lot more today, particularly not-for-profit organizations in terms of the establishment of their their outcomes? Or do organizations really have a capacity to really measure effectively uh, performance as it relates? to uh, metrics or, or goals that they set for the organization. Uh, w- what have you seen, Bob? And then I'll ask you, Mark, if you'll you weigh, you weigh
2: in on that as well. Sure. In my space, it's, it's, it's where everything's at. Um, you know, we've got these somewhat fuzzy goals or missions that we're trying to achieve, and making those really clear about if you give us money – this is what's going to happen and why, and here's this is affecting that. Um, that ability to do it, I think, is those those organizations that Mark referred to earlier is the ones that are going to succeed and are going to get the future funding that's coming along because the dollars are going to float to those organizations that can identify how the money is going to be spent to achieve what results over what period of time. And um, uh, it's the ones that, even if you're not, particularly successful at it doing it it puts you a mile ahead of everybody else and um, yeah so i think that that's just critical the resources to do it you're talking expensive work people processes systems and a cultural thing that has not historically measured outcomes and and the metrics to produce them so it's um it's it's interesting but the this is where it's going, and a number of organizations are picking up on it, and they're starting to drive, and it's fun to be a part of those ones that I've been part of. I hear
1: that. So it, you, it sounds like you're saying that that's a non-negotiable for not-for-profits. It really is being able to have the capacity to measure and set metrics and then be able to report, uh, be accountable to those uh, those metrics to, to funders and, and the public in general. Mark, your thoughts on that issue of, of metric setting and, and the importance of it and the capacity of organizations to do it?
2: Well, I'll go back to uh, some earlier thoughts about how you define success. I think some organizations with a a great leader, they might be able to do it on their own, but I think it helps to have, you know, whether it's a board of directors or advisors or whatever they call them, people who are also willing to contribute to that discussion of what the right metrics are. A lot of people spit out their typical, you know, 10 or 20 different metrics of performance, whether, again, I I look at for-profit non as being a not that big a difference, it's really just their tax status, and maybe one has mission a little bit ahead of the financial, but at the end of the day, they're only both going to survive if they manage both mission and economics. But back to uh, your question, Um, you know, today with technology being what it is, and we we all are used to accountability, um, that's not going to change. I think that's a really, really good thing, because supply and demand tells us, just like the weather, that it's going to be... that. the the capital, the supply, will follow, you know, well-run organizations who well define success and know how to keep score right. That's not going to change. Thank you. um, Guys,
1: this has been a a very interesting, informative, and important discussion. I want to thank you, Mark, and you, Bob, for being uh, with us today. And I thank you, our listening audience, for tuning in. Please join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for Leadership Matters, informing leaders and inspiring solutions. Until next time, this is Gerald McFadden, the Volunteers of America Southwest. And remember, great leadership really does matter. Thank you, and I look forward to seeing you and talking with you, rather, at a later time, our next session.
0: Thank you again for tuning in.